This is a free download from Delancey Elam Church. We meet every Sunday morning at 10.30am in the Delancey Elam Church building at Le Banks St. Sampson's in the Channel Island of Guernsey. To contact us or find out more information about us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk. Really welcome, Martin. I, I, I kind of went, he came, uh, he, he went, and, and I came back again. So it's a long story, but it's great to welcome you, Martin. It's great to see you. Thanks, John. It's great to be here. It's uh, strange. We didn't know how we were going to feel actually coming back to Guernsey because uh, it was all pretty fast in the end, wasn't it, when we left? But it was about a, a year ago to this day actually uh, that we uh, dropped the bombshell and uh, said we were going. But um, We've had a great year, fantastic year. We settled in really quickly to life in Llanetli. There you are, we've always got that Welsh accent going already. You see, Paul? Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, the boys have been dragged upstairs, I think, to the, the children's um, church. Uh, Emily's here, and uh, the three of them are doing very well. Emily's going into a second year at college, and she's doing well in that. And Thomas is going into year nine. And John is just starting secondary school. So, and they're, they're, both those boys are going to a school called Bringuin, which is in the town. And uh, a, an appointment came very quickly for me whilst I was there to be one of the parent governors of Bringuin uh, Secondary School. So that's been a really great uh, road into the community. And uh, Sally is doing well. Sally also got involved with education. She works um, voluntary as a class helper each week, and also is a parent governor of the school that she's involved with. So, exciting things there. Uh, church life. Church life is going brilliant. The church that we're um, part of now is called Myrtle House, and it's the, the, the Elam Church in Flinethley. Uh It's a, a good-sized church. We do a couple of services on a, a, a Sunday morning, two duplicate services, so I preach twice. I preach the same message at 9 o'clock uh, service and the 11 o'clock service. We do the same worship set. So exactly the same. Slightly different. We find that the older people maybe come to the, the first service and, and then more families come to the second service where we have children's church. But it's a brilliant church. And uh, what we're really involved with is, is the community work. Uh, we've got many, many things that happen. So uh, let me try and explain some of them. Uh, food bank we do. Uh, we, do the, we have a food bank. We will give away about one and a half tons of food each month. And that works really well. Um, a lot of uh, poverty in Flanethley. And uh, a lot of um, people living below the poverty line. And so we do that. We also do lunch clubs. That saying that Nigel was saying about on Wednesday. We do that Wednesdays and Thursdays, uh, Fridays. That's really popular. We do... Toddler groups on uh, Tuesday and Thursday, and we have a full-time nursery, and we have a cafe in the town. So in a week, we will get about 1,000 people over our doors um, through the different community projects that we do. It's very much a community-focused church, so we're excited about that. Really love being part of that. So we're doing well. We've settled in, I think I've probably said it already, we've settled in really quickly, and we work really well with uh, Bill and Ellen 
who we lead the church with. So it's great to be here. Uh, it's great to have the nice weather. Do you know, when I, first, when I, when I, when I was first coming here, Andy said that uh, you, have the, you have a lot of sun. And I remember the first day I got here, it was actually raining. Um, but it's great to be here and see, see lots of sun. Certainly do get lots of sun. So we're going to enjoy that this week. We, we came Thursday and we're going back on Thursday. So it's great to be here. Thank you for um, inviting me up here, John. And really glad that things are going well. Praise God. Remember, I don't work on the Okay, thanks, Martin. That's fantastic. Thanks for sharing that. You are listening to a free download from Delancey Elam Church. I want to talk about igniting a fresh passion for God. And that song said, we want to hold on to God, amen, through all that were the struggles and the battles. But I think one of the things that God wants to do is ignite a fresh passion in us. Amen? I think it's one of the things that God's saying, that I think wherever you go, this kind of message is coming out of God igniting a fresh passion. Romans 12, verse 11. Don't be, lag- don't be lagging in diligence, fervent in spirit. There's the phrase there. Fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Fervent in spirit. What it means, boiling art and, you know, boiling fire, alive, fervent in spirit. Jesus said, when they asked him, what was the most important commandment? This is what he said. He says, you love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. How many would think that would be passion? Loving God with all your heart, with all your strength, with all your soul, every part of your being loving God. And Jesus said that's what really everything's all about. When all is said and done, it's all about having a fervent, burning love for Jesus. Can you say amen? That's what really it's all about. And I think God wants us to have a passionate love for him because he's got this incredible, passionate love for us. I found one of the things that the way you perceive God to be, your concept of God often affects your passion for him. The more I see how passionate God is for me, the more it ignites passion in me. If I have a wrong concept, if I don't really grasp or or understand how much of a burning passion God has in his love for me, then I'm not liable to have much passion for him. How can I be passionate about a God who seems to me distant and far away? But the more I know him, the more I get close to him, the more I see him as he really is, the more that ignites a passion in me. Can you say amen? A passion. A passion for God. God is looking for passionate love. He's looking for passionate lovers of himself. Can you say amen? That's the whole goal and the purpose of what God wants. It's not so much focused on our performance as he is about having a passionate, burning love for him. Can you say amen? Loving the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy strength. Everything flows from that very thing. Our passionate love for God. Let me just give you a definition of the word passion. It means to have strong, 
intense feelings. It means to have powerful desire. It means to be expressive. And being passionate is opposite to being passionless-less. Is that a word, passionless? Is it? I don't know. I know. I do if it isn't. But, you know, when we're passionless, it's all about holding everything together. When passionate love is out of a marriage, it's all about kind of holding that thing together. When there's no passionate love in relationships, it's all about holding the thing together. When we lose our passionate love for God, it's all about kind of holding everything together. But when we've got passion for God, when our hearts are ignited from, for fire from Him, it's the most greatest thing in the world. Can you say amen? amen? Now that passion can either be quenched or it can be ignited. If we get attached to wrong things and, 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 we, and, and we begin to have desires for wrong things, then the passion for God begins to be quenched. Do you remember, I don't know if you've ever seen this, uh, it's probably men more than ladies, sorry about that, but, you know, when the pilot light's lighting, but the main gas doesn't ex you know, really come to light, you just got that little pilot light going. That's what it can be like when we've got no passion. You kind of, the pilot light's going, but the main fire, the main oven, the main burning thing isn't combusting in our hearts, you see that? I don't know if you ever, we used to, I remember we had this gas cooker, I remember this gas cooker we had, and the grill never worked. And so we had to turn the, well, it, it worked, but it wouldn't light when you ignited it. So we had to put your hand in it, I mean, if you've done that, strike a match, and the moment that match caught, and all your hand come out, you know, all your hairs and your hand was singed and everything, remember that? God wants you to somehow catch a bit of whoomph, I can say, a bit of passion. A bit of zeal, a bit of fire burning in your heart. God wants to ignite a fire in your heart. Can you say amen? Let's look at some biblical examples, and I'll keep building on this as we go in. How to ignite a fresh passion. Anyone a fresh passion for God? Psalm 42, verse 1. David was a man of passion for God. These are the words he said. As the deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? In other words, passion for God is expressed in hunger. You can't be passionate for God if you've got no hunger and no thirst for God. The real evidence of my passion for God is I'm hungry for God. I've got intense desire in my heart for God. I want more of God. I'm hungry for God. Passion is expressed through hunger. You can't be passionate for God and have no hunger. Can you say amen? Now, Song of Solomon 55, sorry, verse five, chapter 5, verse 4 says, My heart yearned for him. It's this picture of being lovesick. Everybody lovesick. I remember, I've got to say this. I remember when me and Angie were first kind of courting. I remember, I just yearned to be with her. I just yearned to be with her. And I missed and I yearned to be with her. And I always remember she lived in Yeovil at the time. And there was a train that went from Bristol to Yeovil. Bob Miles, I always forget what he said. He says, that train, he said, it's, it's like a... A Yorkshire Terrier with a weak bladder. That's what we actually define that train like. 
because it stopped every single time. It took, us about, it took me about two hours to get there, just from Bristol to Yeovil. And it stopped all the time. Every minute it stopped. But my heart yearned to be with her. You know, we'd phone. Remember the, own, remember the old call boxes? I remember the call boxes. You guys, you new guys who are into romance, you've got it so easy. You've got the texting, you've got your mobile phones. Us older guys, those ago, we had to use pay phones. Remember that? And you put 10p in and you'd just be saying hello and the thing would cut out again. You put another 10p in and, and the thing would be keep cutting out. And it, it was just, those are hard days. Then you'd have letters. It took about three or four days to get there. But the truth is this. We yearned to be together. There was a yearning in our heart. And, and I think passion is expressed in our yearning for God. We want God. We yearn for Him. Chocolates. Ever had one? And you have one, you want more. You know, Angie's, I know she does it, but she could take one chocolate a week. And she'd keep a whole box of chocolate, and it could be there months. Me, I take one. Then I've got to have another one, and I've got to have another one, and I've got to have another one. I lack. I, I, before I know where they are, they're gone in a moment. You have one taste of God, you want more of him, amen. You want more and more of God. The more I have, the more I want. We want more and more, and passion is expense. God, we want more and more of you. Psalm, 20, Psalm 27, verse 4. David says, There's one thing I've desired of God, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord and behold him and behold the beauty of the Lord forever. Here's the phrase, There's one thing I want from God. There's lots of things David could have had for. He was, he was king of a nation. He could have said, you know what, I want someone to, to solve all my problems. I want my kingdom to be established. I want all my enemies to be removed. I want all the problems to be solved. He says, there's one thing I want. There's one desire above all else. Are needs important? Yes, but they are secondary. He says, my priority above all else is that I might have God. I might behold his beauty. I might have fellowship with him. I might spend time in his presence. I might behold him and get ignited in passion for him. That's my one desire. Here's the point. When that becomes your one desire, even though you may need breakthroughs in life, the most important breakthrough you can have is a breakthrough with God. Because from that, everything else comes. Once I've got that breakthrough with God, once I'm encountering God, once I'm growing in my passion and my love for him, everything else flows from that. Everything else comes into line when I've got a burning passion for God. I feel God is just speaking so prophetically in these days. He wants to ignite a fresh passion. Because ultimately, that is the only thing that's going to get the job done. It won't come through, through, being, you know, through being forced or, or pressurized in doing the things. It's out of love, out of a passionate heart for God. It says, God, I want to serve you, not because I have to, but because I love you. I want to do your will because I love you. I want to serve you because I love you. I want to worship you because I love you. Everything comes from having a passionate heart of worship to God. Look at Revelation. Let's look at a few instances again in Revelation. You know, one thing I found about Revelation, so many people get caught up with the end times. 
mark of the beast and you know all the signs well, that's good that's important but actually we lose an important part of what revelation's about right in the first few verses you hear what revelation is about it's about a revelation of jesus that's what it's about it's about having a revelation of jesus and there's here in the first from chapters 2 to chapter 3 he writes to seven churches you may remember and there's two things he says to all the churches the first thing he said the first thing he declares to them is things that are true of all of them he reveals number one what he's like to all of them the second thing he does he says i know your works i know what you're doing I know what the intentions are. So I know what you're doing. And I know what's really going on inside you. You can't cover it up. You can't hide it. I recognize what's going on inside. Look at Revelation 2. We'll look at the first one here. Verse 15. So Revelation 3, just need you to wait. Uh, here's the church in Laodicea. So I know your works. You're neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm, neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. I will vomit you out of my mouth. Look what he says in verse 14. He reveals something. He says, I'm the Amen. I'm the faithful. I'm the true witness. I'm the beginning and the creation of God. In other words, he says, I'm the Amen. I'm the finish and I'm the beginning. Everything begins with Jesus and everything ends with him. He's faithful. He's true. He's the only person in history who truly represented what the Father was like. And he says, I'm the witness. I'm the one that you model your life on. You don't model your life on any other believer or any other Christian. You really model your life on who? Jesus. They can inspire you. They can encourage you. They can be a kind of model to you. But the person that you really follow, the person you really model your life on, is Jesus. And Jesus showed what it's like to live under submission to Father and be full of the Spirit of God. He says, that's what we should be like. And this is what we accomplish when we're like that. Can you say amen? Now, he says this church, I want you to be passionate about me. Here is the problem. You're neither hot nor you're cold. So you're neither hot, you're neither hot nor cold, you're lukewarm. So I'd rather you be either hot or cold. You know why that is? Because at least if you're cold, you realize it. At least if you're cold, you recognize it. But when we're lukewarm, we're not always aware of the condition of heart. In fact, the word heart is the Greek word there for zelu, which means to be zealous. It says, I want you to be zealous. I want you to be burning on fire, passionate. Because the person who's on fire will change the atmosphere. He will begin to impact people around them and he says don't allow anything to cause that passionate fire of love for Jesus 
to, begin to become lukewarm. And he says, I see through it. I see the condition of heart. And what I want for you is for you to be an incredible, on-fire, passionate lover of Jesus. That's the goal. That's the purpose. That's why it's all about passionate, in love for Jesus. You know the parable of the sower? We know what it's all about, really. It's about the conditions that put out the fire in our hearts, that cause the passion to slowly, slowly flicker out. Parable of the sower talks about the, the, the pleasure of sin, the deceitfulness of riches, the worries, the distractions of life. They slowly begin to ebb away the fire so we end up being in a condition that God doesn't require of us, which is lukewarm. So I want you to be hot, passionate, zealous, on fire for me. Can you say amen? That's what I want. Look at the, the second one, and I'll build on. Church in Ephesus, Revelation 2. This is a powerful one because it says there in, in, in verse 2, it says, I know your works. It says your patience. You can't bear those who are evil. You've tested those who are apostles and, are, and are not. You've found them to be liars. You've preserved them. You have patience. You've labored in my name. And you haven't become weary. Anyway, that's a pretty impressive list. And we said, that is incredible, man. What, what works? What an amazing church. But he says this in verse 4. Nevertheless, I have this against you, that you have left your first love. What's happened? You're full of amazing works. And that's good. That's brilliant. But you've lost really the essence of what it's all about. You've lost first love. You've left passionate love. There's a verse in Jeremiah 2. It says this. I remember, says God to the children of Israel, how eager you were to please me as a young bride long ago. How you loved me and followed me even through barren deserts. He's saying, I remember those days when nothing would be too much trouble. You followed me through the hard times, through the difficult times. You loved me with a passionate love. What happened to the love? What's happened to passionate love? Where did that love go to? What's happened? And that's where Jesus comes again to this church. He says, what's happened to first love? The unashamed affection. The abandoned love. First means foremost in importance. When you love Jesus as foremost, when he was the priority, when he was the burning affection of your heart, what's happened to that first love? He says you left the first love. That means you, you let it go. You substituted it for something else. Do you remember those days when it wasn't too much trouble to get up and pray? Do you remember those days when it wasn't too much trouble to serve God? Do you remember those days you just couldn't wait to read the Word and you couldn't wait to worship and you just wanted to witness everybody you saw and you're full of enthusiasm and zeal and excitement? 
Here's what he says. What's happened? How did you lose it? Here's the question. What causes us to leave first love? What causes us to lose sorrow? What causes us to draw back from first love? I think there can be a number of things. I think disappointments. Ever been disappointed? Something that you really prayed for, something you really believed for, it just didn't happen. And disappointment got in your heart. And it began to get a hold of your heart. And as that disappointment got in, so you lost first love. It can be offense. Ever been offended? Somebody offended you. Somebody did something you didn't like and you got offended by it. You got hurt by it. And you never really dealt with the offense. And as the offense grew in your heart, it caused the first love to begin to distinguish. It could be unresolved issues where we've been hurt and where we've experienced grief and we've never really allowed those unresolved issues to be healed. And it causes the heart to close down. It could be some unforgiveness that you've never dealt with. It could be some unresolved sin. It could be something that's captured your affections and your heart. Just taken over your heart. It's captured your affections, captured your heart. And as that has taken place, so you've lost first love. And the word of the Lord this morning is I want to restore passion. Amen. I want to restore you as a person of first love. And he tells us a few things that we can do. He says, in verse 5, he says, Therefore, remember. Remember those great times you had with God. Do you remember the intimacy you used to have with God? Oh, the worship times, the prayer times, the time in the Word. He says, remember those amazing, incredible times you had with God. Remember those times of intimacy you had with God. He says, remember. And then he says, Repent. Confront those things that caused you to lose the first love. Deal with them. Open your heart again and say, God, pour in your love for me. I turn away from those things that have captured my affections and took my heart away from you. Then he says this, do the works you did used to do. The works at first. The prayer times again. The witnessing again. The praying again. The worshipping again. The praising again. Do the things you did at first. And as you begin to do those things, by a conscious decision and a quality decision, after a time, boom! You're going to get your hands burnt, but you're going to get your heart burnt. Amen? The fire again is going to return. Let me bring this to you. Exodus 30, verse 34. I believe with all my heart that for love to be ignited in us, there are certain qualities that are needed to cause our heart to burn again. Anyone want passionate love restored again? Here to me are ingredients that we need for passionate love to be restored back. Really, it's the ingredients of the incense. What the children of Israel do, they would bring a burning censer, and in that burning censer, that God would light from heaven, he'd light this burning fire of incense, sorry, this burning censer, set it alight, then they would pour incense into that. 
and the, the ingredients that were in that incense, that were in those that incense, that would cause the fire to burn. And I think there's a picture, really, of the qualities that if we would put these qualities into our life, as a picture of these ingredients, the fire's going to come again. Can you say Amen? Look what it says. And the Lord said to Moses in verse 34, Take sweet spices of stakti, oniga, galabum, and pure frankincense, and with these sweet spices they shall be equal amounts of each. So here's this picture. These, is the, these are the compounds, these are the qualities that they took into the presence of God. This is what the priests took in. We're all priests. God's ignited a fire in us, but now there's a certain qualities that we need to keep the passion going. And these incense, these, these feel like ingredients are a picture. Here's the first one, stacti. You know what that's a picture? That was basically an oramic gun, an oramic gum, if I can put it that way, that was made by cutting the tree. And when they cut the tree, the gum in the tree would just flow out. And they used that for one of the ingredients of the spices. You know what that's a picture of? It's a picture of sacrifice. You can never really have passionate love for God until the sacrifice in our hearts and lives. The passion I'm talking about doesn't come cheaply. It comes through sacrifice. Real heart sacrifice. Jesus said, if you're going to follow me, You've got to deny yourself. You've got to make a cut into the self-life. The things you want to do that aren't in the line with my will, you've got to stop doing them. The things that you want to do that aren't pleasing me, you've got to cut. You've got to cut them off. You've got to be willing to bring a level of sacrifice. Almost this thing says, God, I only want to do what pleases you. And I don't care how much it costs me, how much a sacrifice of it is, I'm willing to pay the price to keep my passion alive. You know, the truth is, every relationship that you have will always need sacrifice. Is that right? Whatever relationship there is, unless there's sacrifice in it, that relationship is not going to develop or grow. Needs sacrifice. This is what David said. 2 Samuel 6, 14, he says, I will not offer to God that which costs me nothing. I'm not going to offer to God something that doesn't cost me anything. Sacrifice isn't really a sacrifice till we felt it. Till it's cut something inside us. I just love the woman. Remember that little woman? She was, everybody was, they were putting in the 500 pound offerings. You know, some were putting a five, you know, 500 in, some putting a 1,000 in. And this little lady comes, and she just puts a few coins in. And Jesus says, that lady has pleased me. Why is that? Because to her, that was an incredible sacrifice. It cost her something. It kind of, it was costly to her. And Jesus said, when I saw that which was costly, it really Bless my heart. Because I saw the sacrifice of that. God says, I don't want your leftovers. I want that which costs you something. I believe sacrifice 
is the core of Christianity. Christianity is not about convenience. It's about sometimes sacrifice. Sometimes it's sacrificial. When there's 101 things you could do, but you're going to just get on your knees and seek God. Sometimes it's sacrificial when you've got to go out your way to bless somebody else. Sometimes it's sacrificial when you've got to give to somebody in a way you don't want to give. It's sacrificial when you forgive somebody that you don't really want to forgive. But that's the way it is. And God says if we would come to that point of, of continually living the life of sacrifice, a passion will burn for you. You'll have a passion for God through the levels of sacrifice you make. God, whatever it takes, I give my best for you. You see, passion is ignited not through convenience. It's ignited through sacrifice. Something burns in you when you lay something down that you, you naturally don't want to do. When you give something up, you don't want to give up. But you're saying, God, I want passion. I pay the price of what? Sacrifice. Here's the second thing, very quickly. Onika. That was a powdered shell. But here's what it means. It means to roar like a lion. I love it. In other words, passion always has expression. When you see what God has done for us, something rises in us. Passion must always find expression. You see, if you're passionate about something, you want to express it. Is that right? Ever gone into a computer shop? And the guy's there, and he's like... And you say to him, Oh, could you tell me about that computer? His eyes his suddenly light up. It comes alive. And suddenly, he will not leave you... Let, he will not let you go out of that shop. He'll tell you every component about that computer. He will go over it. He'll explain everything about you. He'll spend you hours and hours talking about that computer because he's so passionate about it. Is that right? Passion always finds expression. Always finds expression in our hearts. Do you remember Steve Irwin? How many remember Steve Irwin? He was that guy who loved wildlife. Remember that? You know, he's the guy who put his head in crocodiles' mouths. You know what I saw him do once? He got the most poisonous snake on the, uh, that was on the earth, and he licked its tongue. He was just so passionate. And I weren't really into wildlife, because, but I was attracted to his passion. He was so passionate about wildlife. He was so passionate about crocodiles. He was so passionate about snakes. that you know, crawl over him, he'd get spiders, he'd, he'd, he'd pull over his body, and all kinds of stuff. He was just so passionate about it. You know, the truth is, I think that we are attracted to passion. Because there's something within us that wants to live something beyond ourselves. And whenever we see someone burning with passion, we almost want what they've got. Passion is the most inspiring thing. It inspires, it raises, but it's got to be expressed. True passion will always have a follow of expression. Here's the third thing, very quickly. Caliban. That was imported from India. But here's the thing. The root word of it means to be fat or rich. The richest and the best part. 
In other words, it's a picture that we honour God. We show respect for God. We value Him. We don't take Him for granted. Isn't it true, ladies particularly, you will feel this, what really annoys you above everything else about, about your husband? I would suggest probably the most annoying thing is this, is when he takes you for granted. Is that right? Is when, when you are taken for granted, ugh, men watch out. Is that true? I think the danger is we become familiar with God and we take God for granted. And I think we need to honour God. We've got to honour him. Give him the best part of our lives. The best part of your day. The best part of your time. The way you honour God is to give him the best that you have. We honour him by obeying his word. We honour him by heartfelt worship. We honour him by spending time in his presence. How can you really honour a person you don't spend time with? Is that right? If you didn't want to spend time with that person, that means you're insulting that person. Isn't that right? You're not honouring them. But when you want to spend time in their presence, that means you honour them. And God says, I want you to honour me. And the way we honour him is just recognising how great, how awesome he is. Just wanting to spend time in his presence. Just wanting to obey him. Just wanting to do things that please him. Because we want to honour God. And there's something about the culture of honour that God responds to. Here's the last one. Frankincense. That was a precious gum. The word frankincense means to be white or pure. It means, it's a picture really of our hearts, that we don't cover anything up. What God is saying is this, is I don't want people who, who cover things up. I, I want people who are, who are, who are open to me, who, who recognize their weaknesses, who recognize their failings, who recognize where there's been wrong things in their life. You see, God He's not worried of how bad you've got. He's worried that you will never open up and share it with him. Because he can deal with that. Is that right? He can deal with our messes. He can deal with all that stuff. He just wants to say, God, here I am. Open, honest, transparent. Here I am, God. Transparent. I'm authentic to you. I'm open to you. And here's what I'm saying. Here are these four ingredients. What are they? Number one, sacrifice. Number two, Expressive. Number three, honor. Number four, authentic. You put those four ingredients together and live that kind of life, passion is going to burn in your heart. Can you say amen? amen? Let me close with this. Luke 7. Because look, think of those four qualities. Sacrifice, expression, honor, authentic. Luke 7. Here is a picture of passion. And it comes probably from a very unlikely source. But here are the four ingredients expressed here. Luke 7, verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus sat at the table in the Pharisee's house, brought in the alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him, weeping, and she began to wash his feet with her tears. She wiped them with the hair of her head, and she kissed his feet, anointed them with fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisees who saw, had invited him, saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man with a prophet he would know 
And what manner of woman it is who's touching him, for she is a sinner. And we're going to close with that. So, but listen to this. Here's this lady, man. Here's the first thing. Remember I said the first ingredient of passion is authenticity. Both said she was a sinner. She realized the condition of her heart. Realized what she was like. Secondly, I said that passion has to be a sacrifice. The Bible says she took this ointment, expensive ointment, and she poured it at his feet. Loved him and poured it at his feet. Thirdly, I said, it's got to be expressive. She wept her tears over his feet and she washed his feet and began to express her love. Because here for the first time was somebody who accepted her. Somebody who loved her. Somebody who wasn't trying to get something out of her. Somebody who truly loved her for what she was. And she began to weep, began to pour her heart out to him. And, and she honored him by recognizing who he was. And she began to honor him. In the midst of that was a Pharisee whose heart had grown cold to God. He had all the outward exteriors. He went through all the right routines, but he had no passion in his heart. Because this is what Jesus said to him. Look what he said. He says, Simon, I've got something to say to you in verse 40. This is what he says. Verse 45. Sorry, verse 44. You see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet. In other words, you didn't express any passion to me. He says, she's washed my feet. She says, even washed them with her own head. He says, you gave me no kiss. There was no sacrifice. He says, there was no expression because you didn't show me any kind of expression. There was no honor. You didn't honor me. You didn't anoint me. You didn't do the things that was required often in those days. You showed me no honor. But this woman has shown me honor. She showed me honor. I was important to this woman. Because he who has forgiven much, loves much. He who truly encounters the true depth of grace has been poured into their heart and they recognize it. Here's what I found. Gratitude always connects with passion. If there's no gratitude, there's not much passion. But when there's true gratitude, there'll be true passion. And she expressed incredible gratitude to him. How many say, I want to be like that lady? Can you imagine what it must have been like walking through all those religious, arrogant men and you're walking through it, eyes staring at you, atmosphere difficult, but you walk through it, extravagant on your mind, because you want to extravagantly pour your love out on Jesus. Oh, may the Lord ignite passion in our hearts this morning. Let's all just stand before him right now. I know time is going. Why don't you lift your hand? Why don't the musicians just come back just a few, few moments? Why don't you just lift your hand? Time is going. Why don't you lift your hands to heaven right now? Say, Lord, today, ignite passion in my heart for Jesus. Let my heart be ignited with mighty passion. I don't want to be like Simon. I want to be like this lady. I want those ingredients of true, passionate love, sacrifice, expression, honor 
And we want to just show ourselves to be people who are authentic, open, transparent, authentic to him, letting God point out anything in us, heart open, authentic, sacrifice, expressive, honor God, and we just allow our hearts to be transparent to him. Father, I pray today, maybe you've lost first love right now in these moments. Say, Father, set my heart on fire again. Put, restore that heart of first love. Restore the heart of passionate love for you. Let me be a lover of you. A lover that loves you with every part of my being. To love the Lord thy God with all my strength, with all my soul, and with all my heart. Let that be the craning desire of your heart. Father, I pray right now this morning. Would you ignite our hearts with fire? Would you set us right now in passionate love for Jesus? Lord, I pray for every heart here today. Lord, ignite a mighty fire in us. A fire that will burn so strongly, so powerfully. We believe in these days, Lord, you're prophetically speaking to your people, to your church. Lord, of passionate love. And I pray in these days, in these moments, oh God, that you would, in the name of Jesus, cause our hearts to be ignited with passionate, on-fire love for Jesus. Oh, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory today, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you for listening to the free download from Delancey Elam Church. For more downloads, information or to contact us, please visit our website at delanceyelam.co.uk.